Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, the podcast for and by podcasters. We interview podcasters for the real scoop on podcasting. Whether you're thinking about starting a podcast or have been podcasting for years, you'll find lots of inspiration, valuable lessons, and tips in our interviews. This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Please visit podbean.com, the home for podcasters. We're here on Podcasting Smarter today talking with Amy Whitney, conversational English teacher and course creator of The Real English Conversations. Uh, to date, The Real English Conversations podcast has seen over 2.4 million downloads from their educational English podcast. They have also were in the top 10 podcasts in education in 2017. Uh, we're going to be discussing a lot of different topics here. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing really, really well. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here on the podcast with you. Of course. And thank you for making the time, too. I know we're in a we're in a very interesting time in 2020. So I thank you again for taking the time. Uh, before we jump into it here, I want to give you the floor to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit more about what you do. I know we do the intro at the top, but I'd love for our listeners to know a little bit more about what you do. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I'm a Canadian. I'm originally from Kelowna, British Columbia, which is in the western part of Canada. And currently, I'm actually living in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. I decided to move here back in 2016. And that was thanks to my website, realenglishconversations.com. It kind of gave me that digital nomad opportunity. And I could choose where I wanted to live. So that's what I did. And our website, Real English Conversations, is an ESL website. We focus on helping intermediate to advanced level learners to improve their speaking and listening, listening fluency. And really, it's a website where I help people to learn how to learn languages more efficiently as well. And it's based on my own experiences that I went through trying to learn Spanish and failing pretty miserably for about 14 years before I figured out how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, more or less, that's about me and a little bit about our business. <laughs> it's really interesting too, because I know that you said you were coming from uh, Canada too, and it's really great to see the embracing of a different language here, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, in the world of podcasting, one of the biggest hot topics that you know we've discussed and one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you was how to monetize one's podcast. While there are different many avenues to monetization, how did you go about developing a platform in which to monetize your specific services? Yeah, monetization, this is actually a pretty interesting topic. And I think that in general, most people initially, they think, hey, I can make a podcast. And if it's really popular, maybe I can make some money on ads or something like that and fund their podcast or earn some extra cash. But in my case, I didn't really look at it in that way. I knew that it was going to be part of my business model overall. And really, the podcast and the lessons that we're producing to put out on the podcast is really just the face of the product and the real stuff and what we sell is back on the website. So, okay, I'm going to go into a bit of detail because I really started with nothing. When I started out my podcast, it was literally like, okay, so what helped me to learn Spanish? Because as I said, I was stuck at that beginner level, 14 years, failing pretty bad. And I, I was like, I'm going to move abroad one day. I need to speak this language. Let's get down to what the issue is. And I realized that with the 
conversations that I was studying from a Spanish podcast. It was from Notes in Spanish, which is based in Spain. Um, with their lessons, I was able to analyze a little bit the um, how people were speaking, the words that they were using. And I realized that this website was doing it through their podcast. It was the same style that they were using that uh, to promote their lessons. And then back on their website, they had some transcriptions with some exercises and things like that that they could sell. So in my case, I thought, okay, well, I can't really teach Spanish because I'm not good at it, but I am a native speaker of English and I think I can leverage that to make some money. And of course, I needed to have a website, a place where I could sell those transcriptions or whatever I was going to sell and to host my podcast or whatever. So this was the start of the business idea. And Early on, I knew that this wasn't going to be everything, but it was the place that we were starting. And I was working pretty hard operating a small delivery service back in Kelowna. We did not have a ton of cash. I didn't have enough money to pay a guy $3,000 to build a website for me. And I started out with one of those Wix websites or the GoDaddy, you know, the $2 a month ones sure. you get for your first year. <laughs> and probably after playing around with this, investing way too much time, but I realized, you know what, this is not going to give me what I want. I'm going to have to compromise on the design. I'm not going to be able to integrate with the tools that I want, the payment gateways and those sort of things. So I came to a decision that I had to learn how to build a website. And I didn't care if it took six months for me to learn how to do it. I realized it was something I wanted to do or needed to do in order to move forward. I was very, very happy that it didn't take six months. It took a three-hour YouTube tutorial about how to build a WordPress website. <laughs> okay. Literally a free tutorial that was on YouTube and it walked me through buying a domain, setting up the hosting and the basics of the design. WordPress is a very, very powerful tool. It can help you to set up payment gateways, the email list building tools that you need, event calendars, membership, uh, the membership walls that you see where you have to pay to access content e-courses, all of this stuff. It's super easy to set up. So now that I learned how to set up the WordPress website, that has allowed me to do basically everything that I need to do on my own. And occasionally I hire a programmer to help me with something really specific or fix something that's dysfunctional. But normally that's not necessary. In my case, I have a lot going on with my website. So I need some support. <laughs> I think it's I think it's really important too because when you consider a podcaster, let's say that's starting up a podcast, I know that you were saying it was it's kind of a means to an end for you, your podcast uh, to promote mm -hmm. your product. But it's kind of interesting too because a lot of podcasters start out from that end. They go, okay, I'm going to record my audio, I'm going to post it online, and I'm just hoping that people find it. Um, and yes. they don't really think a lot of the times about the ways in which they can get their podcast into more ears or ways that they can develop more of, let's say, a vision for their brand, so to speak. And it sounds like you had that idea pretty early on. Yeah, it actually comes back to some of my, okay, I've always had a dream of moving abroad. So I've always been thinking about digital marketing and ways that I can maybe create this portable income. And a little, a few years before I started my website, I was involved in another online 
business and I learned about SEO and I realized that that was really an effective way to get your website found on Google. So yeah, it, it really was something that I knew about from the beginning and I knew the podcasting was going to be a channel that would help me to just attract traffic to my business really. Now, I know that you say that SEO is one of the strongest points of your business model. Uh, we've talked at least through email. And one of the things that we had discussed was about how you've been able to help reverse engineer some of the SEO to maximize your searchability. Uh, can you go over some of the tactics that you use to help reverse engineer some of that SEO? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I'm just going to assume that most of the people listening right now, when they hear SEO, they think, whoa, no, no that's technical <laughs> like that's tech land i don't know how to do that that's overwhelming i don't want to think about it but it's really not that difficult to understand the basics and um i'll just start by talking a little bit about what it is and how it works and then how it goes into your podcasting and how you can apply some of this advice today and start optimizing your titles and episodes and things like that. So with SEO, this is something that I'm really happy that I learned because it helps me to understand how YouTube videos get found, for example, on through the searches. And it helps me understand how to build a good post so that when I'm publishing a new podcast, the people, random people on the internet that aren't even looking for a podcast, sometimes they're finding my podcast through searches. And it also helped me to understand how the podcasting search engines work and how I can position my podcast to be found. So SEO stands for search engine optimization. And that basically means that when somebody types something into the search box, something comes up that they want to see. Okay. So it did take me some time to learn SEO and the basic practices of doing it and what was important, but I really just picked things up through um, SEO guy and expert. His name is Brian Dean, and he has a blog. Yeah, he has a website called backlinko.com. And through picking up little tips here and there over the years, it's really helped me to build my knowledge and integrate this knowledge into every page of my website, every YouTube video, every podcast episode. But right now for my business, I have about 25 to 30,000 organic visitors per month that are coming from Google. And the other maybe, that's about 60 or 70% of my traffic. So the other 30 or 40% are direct searches, maybe from the podcast or who knows where they come from, but <laughs> they come from somewhere. <laughs> so moving on to the podcasting SEO part, I would say probably one of the biggest complaints that I hear from that Podbean Facebook group that I'm part of is that people don't know how to promote, just like you said, John. And the advice that I hear or the recommendations that I see is typically, oh, promote more on social media, hand out flyers and things like this. But those are a little bit old school and really these days Facebook and promoting your business on Facebook is really, really difficult and the algorithms are really harsh. They just don't show the posts that people are creating to the people that like their page and it's just not so effective these days. So what I want the people to do uh, that are listening is to start thinking like this, just like Google, People are typing in what they hope to find using a few keywords when they're using their favorite podcasting app. So 
podcasting apps, fortunately, have a very simplistic algorithm compared to Google, and this is something you guys can figure out. So they might consider the popularity of the episode, for example, but keywords are predominantly what brings up the, the episodes. So where I learned how to do this and the basics around this is through a YouTube tutorial by Pat Flynn. You can type in Pat Flynn podcast tutorial and maybe we can leave a link for this in the description. Absolutely. Yeah. And this guy is going to walk you through everything and some of the things you might know, some of the things you might learn, but he'll explain everything from really a big overview and I think it's useful for even experienced podcasters to go through this. But one of the things that he talks about specifically is the ID3 tags or some sort of metadata that you can embed in your podcast when you're saving the file. So you can put keywords in the title, the author, podcast name, the episode description, for example. Who knows what iTunes uses actually or what the people are picking up, but as long as you have the data there, it can't hurt. And it doesn't take too long to put in that information, so it's absolutely worth the work. But due to his advice, and I followed his advice to a T when I launched both of my podcasts, because I actually have the Real English Conversations podcast, which you guys mentioned. But about a year later, I launched the Phrasal Verb podcast. Both of these podcasts were featured in the new and noteworthy section of iTunes, which is only available for the first three months of launching. I'm not sure if that's changed since, but at the time, that's what it was. And this at least gave me a really good popularity start in the algorithm searches, which is good. Okay, so moving on to Spotify. Spotify is another big one. As soon as I got my Spotify, my podcast on Spotify, I had a huge spike in my listens. Like it was night and day, like at least 50% more. So anyone that hasn't done that yet, go into Podbean and set that up because it's really important. <laughs> okay, um, but with this, what I did one day is I went into Spotify and I searched Real English Conversations and I searched English Conversations and a few other keywords that I had and I didn't necessarily see my results come up the way that I wanted them to. And this is where the reverse engineering comes in, okay? Everybody can go into Spotify or iTunes or anywhere and type in words that they think that people might type in to find their podcast. And if you type in your competitor, for example, if you know who they are, check out their podcast. Look at what words are in their title. Look at which words are in their description and take out anything, any phrases that are relevant to your podcast and try to figure out how you can get those in to those titles, the descriptions and all of these areas into that metadata as well. And diversify on every episode, you have a new opportunity to use some new keywords. So don't, don't just use the same ones over and over and be lazy. You can uh, go back and edit the titles in old episodes that you have. That can also bring some fresh traffic in from random searches. And it's, um, it's really, really helpful. So just to give you an idea, when I type something in, actually for the phrasal verb podcast, I was working on that recently. I typed in phrasal verbs. And 
I saw that there was this other podcast, which I have never heard of, that came up. And for, of course, I was offended initially. Ah, oh, why is my podcast not there? Okay. <laughs> but later, I was looking at it and I was thinking, why is it there? And I realized that my podcast was down lower on the page under the podcast section, which makes sense. But these people, they were a podcast, but they were under the songs section. And that made me think, how do I get my podcast to show up there? And I started to think about the things that I had learned. And I think it's something to do with the song versus podcast setting for the genre or something that's in the metadata that I'm submitting. But I'm in a test right now for this. But that's an idea of how I look at things and try to figure out how to position it. So for example, if you have somebody that has a podcast about UFOs and supernatural stories, okay, you might type in some of those keywords and you're going to look at those competitors, see which words that they're using, take out anything that's relevant, take out anything, anything, honestly, that's kind of close that someone might type in and make sure that you put those in some of your episodes. Your podcast title is also super important. For example, if you have a podcast like Bob's Big Day Out, okay, and you don't have any other information about what your podcast is about, people might be thinking, what is that? A fishing podcast? Maybe it's a guy managing a child with special needs. Maybe it's a farmer going to the big city. Like, who knows? What is Bob's Big Day Out? So take that title and put some of those strong keywords that people might be searching or looking for and make sure that it's in your podcast title because it's absolutely going to be bringing you in some traffic. So that's my tip related to that stuff. <laughs> I think there's a lot of great things that our podcasters can pull out of that too. And I know that when it comes to SEO, it's something where people will generally just write up, let's say a description and they just kind of put it out into the ether and they're like, well, this seems interesting. There's a whole yeah. idea of how to engineer the perfect SEO for, like you said, for Google and even for your podcast descriptions, titles, things of that nature. The important exactly. part from what you're saying is really that reverse engineering part, because even as podcasters and anyone that's in the creative field, so to speak, whether you're using your podcast for business or more of a creative outlet, you get started with a podcast because of somebody else. A lot exactly. of the time. You hear mm -hmm. how somebody else's message delivered. You hear how and what they're talking about. And it inspires you to create that content. Um, and then it, there's nothing wrong with looking at what they did and trying to develop your keywords and develop your descriptions to uh, duplicate that success, so to speak. Definitely. And the one thing, a really important point is that your main podcast title and the description, this is just one part, but in most of the apps, you'll be able to see results related to podcasts and you're going to have a separate listing lower down related to episodes. So you really have multiple opportunities to get your podcast found. And that's why the artwork is important to, you know, some people like looking at pictures. So if they see something interesting, they might click on it. And also the title to take the time to do it. I mean, if there's a character limit of 100, try to use it. You know, you can get a lot of words in there, a lot of description. So yeah, anybody that has two sentences written about what their podcast is about, and there are 3000 characters available, you know, do a little bit of writing, do some research and get that optimized for sure. 
Now, are there any specific tools that you use to help with that optimization or has it been all through uh, the help of, let's say, YouTube videos, Pat Flynn and uh, your SEO mentor, let's say? Um, I would say that a big help for me because of my my website, I'm familiar with SEO and I'm familiar with keyword research. So I already had an idea of what people were typing into my website in order to find my website. But there's actually one that I just discovered this week, which is free. And it's through Neil Patel, who's also a big SEO guy. And it is one sec, let me just get the name here. I think it's Uber something. I will, I'll get the correct name for you guys, but he has Uber, Uber search or something like that. And we'll make sure that we share that link with you guys, but it's free. You just type in some words that are related to the topic and you're going to get some recommendations for keywords and anything that you see that's maybe relevant to your podcast or a synonym or related, you could use those to try to incorporate it into the description and the podcast title. Another thing about reverse engineering that I think is important, and you touched on this a bit too, uh, one thing that we get from podcasters often in terms of requests are, oh, can an episode be categorized under a different category? And traditionally, the way that iTunes and Apple Podcasts is structured in 2020, you can have up to three categories that highlight what your podcast is about that you can fall under, and they can get pretty granular, but you can't do it based on each episode. When you're uh -huh. talking about this reverse engineering, it offers the ability for you to stay within your niche market and really get granular, but you can then also get even more detailed by doing more research based on what that specific episode could be about. Exactly. Yeah. Because I mean, in my case, my podcasts are pretty straightforward. It's like we have a conversation, people listen to it. They're like, Ooh, that's how native speakers speak. And that's pretty much it. But I mean, we have a lot of podcasts available that are about business, for example, or it could be counseling or you name it, there's a podcast out there. And a lot of those podcasts deal with specific topics under the umbrella of their main topic. So yeah, absolutely. They could be having some keywords that are relevant to that specific topic and make sure that they attract some traffic through those as well. Now, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about the monetization. One thing that we talked about through email was the importance of growing a mailing list. Uh, this is something we've actually just started a bunch of Podbean webinars that are free for anybody who wants to learn more about Podbean, but also who wants to learn more about uh, the podcasting industry in general. And one of the webinars that we run is called Promoting Your Podcast. And I speak at no end about a mailing list and how important it could be. It's such a direct line to the people that work on your product already and who have a belief in your product. Um, tell us about the importance of a mailing list to your business and about how it helps you monetize your podcast. Yeah, exactly. It, the email list, no doubt, is one of the most powerful tools. And I know that because every single one of us is flooded with emails and we just delete, 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 delete. It's normal. <laughs> we don't read everything. <laughs> okay. I mean, I delete, I don't know, probably 50% of the things I, I receive without even opening it. But I do see who's sending it and I'm making a decision about whether or not I want to open that and read it. But really email is the most direct channel that you can have and 
it absolutely is one of the only ways where you can have that control to send and initiate out the contact to the person that has given you that email address and permission to contact you. So um, much like I said earlier, how with Facebook, for example, you're just not really getting that visibility when you're creating a post. So if you take the time, you create the post, you're promoting your podcast episodes, but people aren't seeing it. It's not really a notification because they're not seeing it. And maybe you're doing that on several social media channels. And the reason why that's frustrating is because those channels have control over who sees those posts. Right. But for you, when you have an email list and you want to send out a broadcast email, you go da 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 da, type it out and hit that send button, and boom, it's going out to 2,000, 5,000 people and it's in their inbox. Now, if they like your podcast and they see an email from your podcast, new episode, blah, 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 they may or may not open it. But trust me, just seeing that is a reminder. Oh, right, a new podcast episode. And it can be helpful. They may open it and not click. That doesn't mean that they didn't see it. Um, it's just that everybody is so busy and they don't have time to click and investigate everything that they receive. But it is really, really important, especially for podcasters that want to build their audience and stay connected. because even though your podcast is the most important thing in the world and you're doing a lot of work in the world of everyone else, your podcast and that notification when you release a new episode is just another ding out of the 2000 dings that they receive on their cell phone every day. And it's not that important. And we really have to contact them in as many ways as we can to hopefully reach them at the right time and have them come back to our podcast and grow that relationship. Now, in terms of monetization, I think that same strategy applies for most business models. Most people in marketing realize that you need to have several contacts with your clients before they actually decide to buy from you. So in our case, the podcast is usually a strong section of where people find us like you know if we have um between the two podcasts i think we have about four or six thousand downloads on average a day that's a lot of people and then to our website we have about 800 visitors a day so there are a lot of people listening that aren't coming to the website but <laughs> some people do and maybe they're listening to 10 episodes and in their mind they're building a relationship with you they're like hey I like this Amy girl and her husband Curtis they have a cool podcast and later they're like hmm, I want to improve my English I'm going to go over to realenglishconversations.com and at that point they're like oh they have a free membership I'm going to join at that point boom I've got their email now I can contact them before I had to rely on notifications from the podcasting apps, for example, or that maybe they followed me on social media. But now I can send them emails that promote what I have. Maybe I have a special offer. Maybe I'm doing a lead nurturing sequence with my email where I'm like, hey, this is what we have. Hey, learn this. Hey, try that. And that contact is really necessary to get people over to become clients of your business. Um, I think that a lot of podcasters listening to this, they might be thinking, whoa, you've got like a whole business model set up and that's just too much work. I don't have time to build a website and set up email automation and this sort of stuff. But 
let's pretend that you're monetizing something much more simple. We could say uh, maybe you're selling t-shirts or maybe you have a group meeting, like a membership sign up, we could say maybe they pay $10 a month, but they're able to join you to discuss your latest episode, like a roundtable discussion and some other cool perks that you can give your members, for example. With these sort of situations, you're going to be driving people to your website through your podcast. Hey, don't forget to sign up at our podcast. You're going to get this cool thing. And then you have that email address later when you have a new episode or you have something to promote, you're able to reach out to those people. And when they receive that email, if they want to come and support you or purchase your product or whatever, it's much more likely to happen. So I really feel that the monetization and the email list are really strongly linked together and working together. And it's important in any business model, but with your podcast, whether you're just trying to earn some money to pay an editor so you don't have to do it yourself, or you're trying to build up a business from it, this is something that really you should consider. And it's not hard. If you think it's hard, just like take some steps and try to do it because it's not hard once you try. Just trust me. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think there's a lot to exactly what you said too. that mailing list. Like you said, it could be something where somebody may think it's a bit daunting at first. Or as you said, when you discuss a mailing list, people go, oh, man, I have like 30,000 emails. Like I know if I look at my inbox, I probably have about 30,000 through a bunch of different uh, email accounts on there. But if you are somebody that really is passionate about a specific topic or a specific brand or a specific podcast, if you subscribe to their mailing list, they can have direct contact with you. And anything that you put out, like you said, maybe someone goes, okay, I know their podcast is out. So they're getting notifications about that. But then when you all of a sudden post about, let's say that t-shirt that you're trying to sell or the new line of programs that you're putting out, a lot of the times you may get a higher click-through rate on some things than others, but you're always keeping yourself in the eyes of your most dedicated, uh, engaged listenership and fan base. And exactly. one thing that I've always loved about it is you also with a mailing list have a lot more brand branding options. So you talk about social media. I couldn't agree more with you on the algorithmic side of it, right? Um, a mm -hmm. lot of the times Facebook can cut your algorithm, can cut your traffic down by 93% on some posts. It can get crazy. Um, mm -hmm. But with an email, even if you're talking about just the branding, you have a Facebook page, you have an Instagram page, you have a Twitter page, you still have their branding and their image all around it. A mailing list even gives you a deeper way to have your image and your brand in front of people. So it just continues to put your product in front of people in the way that you want them to see it. It's like having a press kit, basically, but you're sending that over and over in terms of the branding. I couldn't exactly. agree more with you on that, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And really, it's about staying top of mind. Because if you think about the podcast that you listened to a year ago, why aren't you listening to them anymore? Is it because it was a bad podcast? Or you just kind of got distracted and started listening to something else? Like, this is the difference between people that continue to stay loyal to you or remember and go to your podcast to listen. It could just be that simple email reminder. And 
Another thing too, like for example, one podcast that I follow is uh, Radio Mulante, and that's a Spanish podcast. And they send out a Friday email every week and every time that they release an episode. And I don't think I've ever clicked through. But the truth is that when I'm checking my email, I'm not in podcast listening land. I'm working. So for me, I remember, oh, there's a new episode out. And later, when I'm in podcast listening mode, I'm going to go and listen to that podcast. So yeah, it's just another way of staying connected. So the last question I want to end on here is that, would you say that you've prioritized one channel of maximizing monetization over another? Or do you find that having all of these different mediums are equally successful at driving traffic to your podcast? Um, what I mean by that more is I know that you've said that a lot of your traffic comes from organic searches through Google, for example. But obviously, you've had a lot of success with your podcast here. I think it more talks about the multiple streams of income idea. Uh, do you find that all the mediums are equally successful with that uh, monetization and driving traffic to the product? Yeah, that's a good question. Kind of a, a loaded one, but I'll try my best here. So. <laughs> Okay, I would say that the four main channels that I have would be the organic SEO, so that's random traffic from Google, people that have probably never heard of me before. YouTube is a little bit of a warmer source of traffic. These are people that have seen my face in a video, they've heard my teaching style, they've taken the next step to click through on a link and come to my website. That type of traffic has higher quality, I would say. With the podcast, they also need some warming up because the people hear the podcast, they think it's really cool, but they need to listen to like 10 episodes before they finally get over to the website. Sure. So these people, I can't tell you how many people I have that join and they're like, oh, I've been listening to your podcast for years and I finally decided to join. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> why years? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so sometimes it takes a while for them. Sometimes you're just the right solution they're looking for and then they come over right away. They email is that contact that you have maybe once a week you're sending out an email and you're bringing them back to the website before they forget about you again so all four of these channels they they actually work together because SEO leads to email list YouTube leads to a warm lead and then an email list the podcast eventually pushes people back to my my website to the email list and the email list is doing its thing so all of these work together and i think that in terms of easy free traffic i think podcasting is awesome like it's really for the amount of work that goes into recording an episode. I have an editor that I pay to do it. It's absolutely worth its cost. And I get the audio back, I upload it, and it goes out and has, I don't know, 20, 30,000 downloads within a period of two months. For me, that's a really good return on traffic and exposure for the amount of work that I'm doing. And I, I do think that it does lead to monetization, but it's a little bit more difficult to track, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's actually one more thing, and I tend to say this a lot. Uh, there's one thing that you actually said there that I wanted to highlight. Um, it doesn't sound like you are at all fearful of promoting your services during your podcast episodes. No. I think that's something that's <laughs> extremely important too. Um, and again, it's a creative medium. It's a 
great medium podcasting and you're not afraid to promote it throughout all the different uh, services that you have and ways to reach out. One thing I can really speak to with a lot of podcasters is there is that fear. Oh, I don't want to come off pushy. I don't want to come off like I'm being salesy. I don't, I think there's a way to state what you're doing and have it not come off salesy and have people still understand you're pushing a product. You know, so long as you're not overbearing about it, so long as you are mentioning it, you're talking about the product and you're letting people know what's there, it doesn't come off as salesy. It comes off as, hey, here's the product that I think will really benefit you. Here's what I'm promoting and here's the information about it. I don't think that podcasters should be fearful about talking about let's say even promoting other podcast episodes if they're not going down the road of monetization. If you have more than a few episodes in a week, hey, check out this episode that we have. We talk about XYZ. If you're talking about monetization, hey, here's this tool. Here's this thing that I'm selling. Here's this product. Go check it out. It's not at all. It's totally apropos, I think, to bring that up through your different episodes and your different channels of uh, communication. Yeah, definitely. And actually, my mindset was a little bit like what you had talked about before, how I didn't really want to be pushy. I was pretty light with my promotion. And I thought it was okay. Like I was promoting, hey, come to the website, blah, blah, blah. But when I hired somebody to really help me to understand how to improve my sales conversions on the website, one of the first things he said when he listened to one of my podcasts was, you need to be more direct and push people harder to the website site like what you're doing isn't enough one call to action at the end hey if you want to get the transcription come to the website that's not enough you know <laughs> you need to have better branding you need to mention realenglishconversations.com several times talk about what you do talk about how you are helping people with the problems that they're looking for a solution for and drive them to the website so now i feel a little bit pushy with my podcast but it's okay i think it gets people to the website site. I have my introduction at the beginning. I do the general intro. Hi, this is Amy and Curtis. We're going to talk about this. And I have a member version and a podcast version. My member version, I take out any call to action or promotional stuff because it's just the lesson they want and what they've paid for. But for the podcast version, I insert in a very clear call to action based on whatever the lesson is teaching. So for example, I was doing a podcast recording earlier this week about building vocabulary and specific tips. And this was related to efficient language learning. So I wanted to make sure that the call to action really highlighted that on our website, this is a huge part of what we do. We're not just going to help you to improve your speaking and listening. We're going to teach you how to learn a language faster. And that was the idea. Come to our website, join as a free member and get started. And then boom, into the conversation. I also have a little commercial that I made with my members and it's cool. It's like, um, I have people from different countries, different accents all over the world. So I made a audio collage where they say, hello, 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 in their different voices. They say where they're from and then they say a sentence or a phrase about why they find our website helpful. And I follow that up with how I'm proud of them and I'm looking forward to helping you with your English as well. Head over to our website to get started. And I drop that like right in the middle of my conversation on the podcast version. And it sounds cool. It sounds professional and it gives me a testimonial at the same time. So it's really great. That's what I do. 
it's also specific to your podcast too. You know, you talk about things that make your podcast unique over another podcast, uh, things that you can do to really showcase, okay, I'm not just another podcast in this giant sea of this singular topic. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Know, that, that's something that you've really catered to your specific market and to your specific message, and especially to the product that you're trying to sell. Um, mm -hmm. Really personalizing your podcast and personalizing little facets of that can be such a difference between someone thinking that you're just another podcast in the sea and seeing that you're really trying to uh, create something different and unique. Exactly. It's just a different level of detail. And this is actually something as well related to business that if you try to be everything to everybody, you're probably not going to be as successful as really falling into one niche, one area where people are like, wow, this podcast is for me. Those are where the loyal fans come in is when you're really specific and you're creating content for what they're looking for. Absolutely. And again, the last thing I want to give you the opportunity to do here, uh, thank you so much for being part of our podcast today. Please tell everybody where we could find you and uh, basically anything that you're promoting right now. Okay, perfect. So yeah, my website, realenglishconversations.com, we have most of the links to our YouTube channel and our podcasts and our blogs and all of that sort of stuff. So if you know anybody, I mean, I know this podcast is heard all around the world. So if you know somebody who has learned English, they don't have to be a beginner. We actually don't have content for beginners, but somebody who speaks the language, but not really as well as you think that they want to speak it or they're understandable, but they need some help. Definitely tell them about our website, realenglishconversations.com. Uh, we have a membership option available where people can access the 14 online courses that we have and they can improve their speaking skills, their listening skills. Our members, we actually have member exclusive events that's part of the membership so they can join us to have real conversations and to practice their speaking skills as well and yeah I think that's it I pretty much right now I have just our website we have a YouTube channel with some cool videos but it's really related to people that are wanting to improve their English and learn some effective uh, language learning strategies. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for making the time to chat with us today. There's a lot of really great information for monetization, promotion, and especially that mailing list. That's always going to be the most near and dear to my heart. So thank you so much for making the time to speak to us. And um, yeah, thank you. You're very, very welcome. Thank you for having me on here to let me ramble out all of that information in my head to share. <laughs> all right. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us for Podcasting Smarter. You can check our show notes at podcast.podbean.com for links and details. Please like our podcast, leave your comments, and help us spread the word to other podcasters so we can bring you more great episodes with podcasting tips and inspiration from fellow podcasters. If you want to connect with other podcasters or get interviewed on this podcast, please join our Podcasting Smarter Facebook group. We look forward to welcoming you to the community. Happy podcasting! <laughs>